Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. So who is Coach Matt Lyle? Well, on his own website, it describes him as living a, quote, Cinderella story that's taken him from homelessness to coaching in the major leagues. I mean, there's not much more to say than that. But in part two, we're going to really dig into some of the hard lessons and challenges that Coach Lyle has learned about himself and through his journey. Let's get to it. Team Snap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As we move into 2024, make sure you're ahead of the game by getting organized for your next season. Whether you are a coach running your team with the Team Snap app, an admin using Team Snap for business to manage your club or league, or a marketer looking to make noise in the youth sports space, Team Snap has you covered. Visit TeamSnap.com or download the Team Snap app from your app store for more information. He's got nearly 1.2 million followers on social media, including over 900,000 on Facebook alone. He's got a popular online hitting program. He's a sought after keynote speaker, and he's even a published author, releasing in 2019, Dear Coach, real emails from parents behaving badly on the field, at home, and behind their computer screens. But one of my favorite sayings is, nothing worth having comes easy. And Coach Lyle has struggled and suffered to achieve so much. In part two, Coach Lyle reflects on not making the most of his talent as an athlete and the low points of trying to earn a career as a coach. What are we waiting for? Let's jump in. Was there a particular failure or disappointment in high school or growing up that did take you a little bit of time to process and then maybe you learned that lesson hey i can't let this linger for this long there's a few of them but i think for me that just in general uh, what happened i think to me in high school is that i was very athletic like just naturally Mm -hmm. gifted athletic i I lettered in four sports uh track baseball basketball and football and i had a lot of success at all those things at the same time that I realized not until I was much older, I was one of the laziest players on the planet mm-hmm. and uh, in the weight wow. room. And like, and, and, and to me, like I did enough that I was good enough to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the best players on this team or in this area. Like I do these mm-hmm. things and I, I coasted by on this talent uh, over the years. I realized, man, and if I could, if I could go back and talk to my 16 year old self, I would tell myself you got to get to work. Like, do not rest on just your talent and natural ability. It's not going to get you where you want to go. And like, it's mm. going to get you, you know, to this thing, but like, it's not going to get you, you know, I had these big dreams, but I didn't have that work ethic. And I just, I, like I said, if I could go back at any point in my life and talk to myself, it would be, hey, buddy, don't buy into your own hype. Get to work, bust your butt. You, you've got to be better than that. And don't be content with being really good in this small fishbowl. And so for me, I said, I just look back at that time. It's like, you know, I, I, I didn't work that hard the weight room. I kind of goof around with my buddies and like I, I cruised through. I could finish the, the first and second sprints and all these conditioning because I was fast enough. But like I never pushed myself too far to my comfort zone. As a high schooler, I, I got to college and, and I beyond in my life. I'm like, man, you really wasted a lot of your talents. And so for me, um, I said, I, I think I just bought into my own hype a little bit. Just enough to yeah. just enough to not 
push myself. And I think the same thing in the classroom in high school. For me, school was pretty easy. And so I skated by, I didn't study for tests. And then I would get a good enough grade. It's like, oh, cool. B is fine. And, and the, uh, it's passing. And, you know, I look back and, you know, my oldest son is a sophomore in college. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a 4.2 student that study. He studies more in a week than I studied in my entire high school career, it feels like. And so for me, it's like, I just look back and I said that guy and say, I, w- I really wish you had taken these things seriously enough that you would have pushed yourself a little bit harder than just accepting pretty good or, you know, yeah. good enough. I mean, I so appreciate the candor in that comment because I think it's a, a lot of adults have a hard time acknowledging when they didn't push themselves. And I think one of the things that it just reminds me of is just perspective. That's one of the things I, I tell people, no matter how smart a kid is, how they do the right things, kids don't have the benefit of perspective because the only way you get perspective is by living and by experiencing so when you're a young man dominating in sports, you don't have the perspective to understand that there's a big country out there with a lot of Matt Lyles in every community. And not all those Matt Lyles are going to be able to take it to the next level and the next level after that, right? And so, uh, no, I really, really appreciate the candor in that. And it's, hard because, you, it's hard because yeah. people don't realize, like my mom's brother uh, was a third round draft pick at a high school of the Chicago White Sox, was, was like California athlete of the year, basketball and baseball. And like, you know, and same thing, like he, minor leagues, he got injured and had a bunch of surgeries and, and didn't pan out. It's like, and he told me like, hey, as soon as I got to the, you know, minor leagues, it was like, everybody was state players of the year. And yeah. like, it was, a, it was a shock for him. And like, even as a kid, like you could have perspective right in your face and like, until you experience it or, you know, until you get a, like a reality dose of your own, it's, it's hard. It's hard for kids yeah. to get it. Coach, what's something you wrestled or struggled with in middle or high school? Now, I know you you said you were homeschooled, but, you know, we're all dealing with something, right? Like middle and high school boys, I mean, there's something going on that we're really sort of wrestling with. What was that for you? See, it's funny because I look back and I know everyone's probably different, but like I had the best high school experience you could possibly ever have. Like from like the homecoming king stuff to like the varsity letters and the sweethearts and the dating the cheerleaders like it was literally a movie a 90s <laughs> movie with freddie Prince jr in it and it's like that was my experience <laughs> and so but all that to say uh my sophomore year even with all the confidence in the world that i had i got really bad acne really okay. bad acne for this long for this like long period of time and like it says for me like, you know, I just got just got into high school and like I've been homeschooled and like, you know, and there's the kind of the new kid and stuff like that. And I just remember this period of time that you know, I look back at the pictures of my and it's kind of like that reminder of like, oh, hey, you kind of forgot about this moment in time where he was this thing that, you know, and I know other kids deal with it, too. But like that for me, like as a new kid, I had this really bad acne for a like, few months and like it was really tough to be like yeah. trying to fit in and be the cool guys and, and all those things that you kind of hope for when you first get into it. And I, I just remember that that was a hard time for me. Like, okay, you know, yeah. body changes and stuff. And I was yep. like, you know, and I, I was, it's just like my sons, I was very short. Like I'm going to, I'm going to say like four, six, four, and going into high school, I was very short. Wow. I grew from like four ten to five ten between my freshman and sophomore year, like a foot. Wow. Like, and I, it was, and I, it was kind of this wild. So I was like small, 
they said the acne thing. I kind of, I kind of just kind of blew up in the sense of, uh, and yeah. my, I have my dad's six, three, a brother, six, three, somehow I topped out at five eleven, unfortunately, but you know, during that time, so I, I, that's something I just, I do remember that time that said that acne was this thing that's kind of, yeah. and maybe really self-conscious and, and worrying about making friends and that type of stuff as I first got into high school. As a father now, what is your biggest priority for your kids' youth sports experience? My biggest priority is that they, the best word is it like uh, they anticipate with joy going to practice or games like uh, okay. versus like dragging them and like kicking and screaming. And I, I know people, parents have like all kinds of ends of the spectrum, but like I want my kids to like get excited about going to practice or games because they love the sport and they love their coach. They love what, you know, they love playing. And so like my whole goal for them is like they're finding the joy and the experience of it and like, and then trying to like encourage that and build that joy as well in any way that I can. Uh, mm. And so just to experience joy in it, I, I think like, I, and I want them to develop and get better, but like those are secondary to me in the sense of like the life lessons and the joy that they get. I want them just to enjoy it. And I think that I don't spend a lot of time, you know, most of my career in the last 10 to 15 years has been around college students and pro players. And so I don't get to see a lot of youth sports played out in person other than my mm. own kids. But I see a lot of kids not having a lot of fun. I mean, I've, mm. I've gone to some, I've gone to my kids' practices in different sports, even this last year, and like seeing kids cry because a coach gets, you know, said them and these things. I'm just like, I don't want that experience for them. I want them to like, you know, love the sport. So to me, and I think the kind of the goal in that is like to see them play that sport as long as they possibly can. Like, and whether they have a success in it or not, I want them to be able to play the sport that they love for as long as possible. And I've got two kids out of the house and I've got three more and, you know, it goes by so fast. And as parents, it's like, man, I would go do anything to watch my older kids play again. And so as these times go by so fast, it's like, okay, I want them to be able to do that thing as long as possible. When I became a father and started to coach my son, who's now 16, uh, you were literally my single greatest influence. I mean, I, I followed your stuff. I loved your coaching insights, your personal insights, and was just a big fan of what you do. What drew you to coaching? When I was a senior in high school and I was being recruited by different places and I, and I had uh, verbally committed to Fresno State to play football, and I, but I really wanted to play baseball, so I was kind of waiting out my senior year. My senior year, uh, going into the baseball season, I was like, okay, here, let's see what happens here. And my girlfriend from the time got pregnant, and uh, my daughter is now 27 years old. And so I went to the local junior college. I played some baseball and football, and then realized, uh, you know, hey, this is like I'm a blue collar kid with, you know, I've, I got my parents are blue collar. I have, I have no money. I got a good job, so I worked full time. Went, went to school. My my playing career, I tried to come back and play. I played a little Division Two baseball, and just my life was just like, this is just no way I can do this. And so, my old high school coach called me one day. He's like, "Hey, man, uh, would you be interested in helping me come coach?" And I coach help, help coach my dad. My dad was coaching my younger brother's little league team. I did that for a year. It was really fun coaching the little league, helping them out. And I said, my my old coach um, asked me to come and be his assistant coach. Cool, awesome, I'll do it. It was really fun. And halfway through that year, even after he was the head coach for 35 years, he got fired for yelling at the wrong kid with the wrong parents. And they ran it up the pole and he got fired midway through the season. And the AD is like, Matt, you're the new head coach at 23 years old. 
Wow. And uh, like I said, from there, it was kind of the, it was it was history. My my grandfather coached college football for about 38 years. You know, I always talked to him about his experience. He loved it. He loved coaching. He'd always tell me he never worked a day in his life. So I kind of, I never really, I, I never really thought of it as a career, but like yeah. it, it was also in front of me the whole time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just, I hadn't really thought like, oh, coaching is the career, you know, and, and I always thought that people kind of did that as a, you know, volunteer thing on the side and you got, maybe got paid a little bit, but I never, I never personally thought about like coaching. I, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought like, Hey, that wasn't going to be an option for me. And uh, next thing you know, it got thrown into me. And after a couple a season of it, I'm like, this is what I want to do. How do I do this? Yeah. And like, yeah. I want to do this for a living. How, you know, how is that possible? And so I just spent every waking hour of my life trying to figure out like, you know, how to make it a living and how, and how to support a family doing it right after that. And coach, it's been hardly smooth, right? I mean, coaching is very, very difficult to make as a livelihood and a career. Share with our audience some of the low points. I, I believe one involves a scion. Yeah, I mean, so I started, you know, I started coaching when I was 23, 24. And, you, you know, if you know anything about coaching, my first five, six years of coaching, my stipend was like $1,900 a year. And if you're driving vans or driving to practices or needing to buy some equipment here and there, you're volunteering and you're probably losing yeah. money to some Absolutely. degree. And so my first college coaching job paid $3,000 and it paid for the rest of my school, which had about a year and a half left. So I coached full time. I worked graveyard shifts to you know make ends meet at like $12 an hour. And so like, you know, those are my first five, six years. And then my, I got a head coaching job in college that paid $12,000. So it was like my first 10 years of coaching full time, you know, my highest salary was like $12,000. And so like, you know, you're working another full time job and I was trying to do camps and lessons and you're like... It, this story's not, you know, unfamiliar for most people that are like in, in the same boat, high school coaches trying to make it. And but the problem for me was that like again, my my family did not support me in any way financially. Like I didn't I couldn't go to my parents yeah. to ask for money or help. I had a kid that was a single dad at times. And so in living in the Bay Area was expensive. So yeah. I just every, I was literally just trying to make ends meet every month. And if you know, I was if I was in between jobs or in between things or this and that, like yeah, I couldn't pay the bills. I, I, and so, yeah, in 2010 was probably the first time. And I like, next thing you know, like I, I told my landlords, I can't pay the bills. I have to move out. And I kind of made a deal that they would take my deposit and I would get another month and then try, try to find a job. So there was a, there was a good three month period that like I had $0 coming in. I lost my storage unit, all my personal items, like everything was gone. And I had this, I had this sign on that I was leasing. I could hear the, um, repo trucks in the morning. So I would, I would always make sure that I had enough space in the garage to park it until I lost the garage. And then, you know, I said I would, I was very fortunate that I had a lot of good friends that uh, let me sleep on their couches and these things. And I had a friend who had a, a single guy in his kitchen. He, he put up uh, bed sheets in the kitchen uh, and made me a bedroom with an with a air mattress. And so I, I would stay there. So there was a good three month period that I was living out of this scion. And I, and I think there were definitely dark rock bottom moments. And I said, for me, I'd, I've written about it, but there was a moment when I'm on I got food stamps, I got a proof of food stamps. And I remember I went to this, this local Safeway in Walnut Creek and I got some tuna packets. They, 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 they had a little spoon in them and a packet. Mm -hmm. And it was, I remember at nighttime, I'm like getting, I got there, I got the food and I was sitting in my scion and just like kind of broke down grind. Like this is, this is it. Like that, this is, at the time, you know, 2010, I was 33 years old and I'm like, I'm 33. I'm leading soon out of this can. I'm hiding from the repo guy in this truck. I can't make ends meet uh, with the coaching gig. And then like kind of everyone 
in my life was like, hey, it's time to get a real job, like time to stop, you know, chasing this fantasy. And, you know, for me, it was just, I just didn't want to give up on that dream of like, I really, really love coaching. And I think that I can make an impact in people's lives. I think, like, I think this is my calling or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And so for me, I, it was just really hard. There were, mo- there were so many moments that I got to that moment. It's like, okay, all right, Matt, time to grow up, time to get a real job. It's time to, you know, do it. And it's just, this is not working. And I kept fighting that battle probably until 2014, 15 and had some breakthroughs with social media and stuff like that. But yeah, there were definitely moments that you're like, is this, am I doing the right, making the right choices? Is this the right thing to do? Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap. Whether you're a coach, an administrator, or a brand looking to reach the youth sports community, TeamSnap connects the world of youth sports. Visit TeamSnap.com or download the TeamSnap app from your app store for more information. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.